Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Blog Talk Radio. From the baddest borough in the world, Brooklyn, New York, it's Blazing Rye Radio. Tonight, for the new off-Broadway play, Woody Guthrie Dreams, Ben Curtis, and the founder and CEO of Cheaterville.com, James McGibbon. Featuring the Boys and Rye Panic. And now, alter ego to Sarah Highland. It is Monday, September 19th, 2011. Welcome to Blazing Rye Radio with your smoking nephew on the ones and twos tonight on the show. Man, do we have a great show for you. But first, we're going to start off with something we always like to do on the show. Tonight, for the Blazing Rye panel, I am joined by a woman who has sung backup for Darlene Love and who hosts karaoke at the Watering Hole in New York City, Michelle Kinney. I am also joined by comedian Sean Broyles. Check him out at seanbroyles.com where you can buy his new book, Just Give Up. Uh, panel, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Good to have you back, Sean. Um, and uh, Michelle, I believe, is uh, still on her way in, so we'll, 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 you and I will just get started. Um, it's all so us. First it's topic. All us, no. <laughs> what did you say? I said it's all us. I'm, I'm afraid. Well, as long as you have your glass of estrogen in front of you, I think we should be okay. (laughs) I do. Go ahead, dude. (laughs) All right. So President Obama uh, will veto the um, proposed tax, the proposed budget plan if there are no tax hikes for the wealthy. Uh, Sean, what do you think about that? You know what? Here's the deal. I, I just don't understand why it is the Republicans are fighting so hard against it. Oh, yes, I do. They're all rich. Um. (laughs) I mean, you know, it makes it, to me, and this is just a layman speaking, it makes total sense that, you know, if you're making a million bucks a year, you might want to throw a couple extra pennies into the mix to help the country out. But that's just me. Yeah. You you would think maybe people would be uh, willing to help out at a time of crisis. No good? Yeah, I mean, especially, you know, if if you look at uh, at Warren Buffett, I mean, he's the guy who, who pretty much has spearheaded this whole thing. And he's one of the richest guys in, in, in the world. And uh, and to hear a guy like that say, you know what, I've made enough money, I can afford to buy the country like five times over, I'd be willing to throw, you know, a couple extra bucks into the mix. To hear a guy like that say that, I don't think the president's too out of line in asking everybody else to do so. Yeah. 
I hear you. I think that we do have uh, Michelle now. Um, so, uh, Michelle, are you with us? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Okay, I can hear you now. Yes, what, what are your thoughts now? I know you are a staunch conservative and will disagree with everything Sean's been saying, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Anybody who's my friend on Facebook is totally annoyed with all the things that I post about this. Um I think that I, I'm I'm total support of it, you know. Like I you know, I think that many of us can agree that um over the past ten, maybe even fifteen years, you know, the middle class has been basically taking a lot of the, the, the brunt of the of the uh what's the word I'm looking for? There's, middle class people are paying a lot way too many taxes. Way too many comparatively to, you know, the percentage that the upper you know, income people in this country are paying. And I think that it's time, I, I caught the end of what Sean was saying, um, you know, I think that it's time that people who are making that much money, especially people like Warren Buffett who came out with that statement, um, you know, saying we can pay more taxes, it's okay. <laughs> we have billions mm-hmm. of dollars, it's all right. So, you know, I think that, I think I know who I'm voting for in 2012 and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> all right. Um, so... <laughs> Sorry, Sounds I like good. totally just woke up from a nap and I'm real tired. <laughs> so I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm joining you a little late. Well, so, um, oh dear. Well, yes, let's move good. on to something less good. serious. This, uh, this Netflix uh, controversy today. Um, Netflix dealt yet another big blow to its customers by announcing it will separate its DVD and streaming services. The streaming will stay Netflix, and the DVDs will become Quickster. Uh, 16,000 customers left angry comments on Reed Hastings' blog post once he announced mm-hmm. the news. Sean Broyles, what do you make of this? Well, it, it, it seems to me that, you know what, if, if you're doing something right, you know, why, what's the phrase, don't, don't uh, break it if it ain't worth fixing or something like that. I totally screwed that up. But you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> if it ain't broke, yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. There you go. That's how the regular people say it who don't have mental diseases. Um, you know, You're sipping too much estrogen. <laughs> oh, estrogen. I, I just, I just don't see why you do it. I mean, I know, I know they're trying to separate the DVD from the actual online services, but I mean, this, this on the heels of the, of the, of the, um, the price hike they did. I mean, now they're, now they're asking people to separate their accounts, pay twice, pay separately. It's a total garbled mess. I mean, the whole this is a whole age of conveniency. Why would you mm-hmm. Why would you purposely do something like that that makes people not want to continue working? You know, working with you. I, I just don't see why you do it. And Michelle, okay. do you see why they would do it? Is there a reason behind do it? Do I see why? Because because Netflix is a corporation, and corporations uh, exist as a group of people in a boardroom. They're looking at a bottom line. A corporation is not one person who really cares about how we feel about it. If they think that they're in the long run, going to make more money by doing this, that's what they're going to do. They don't really care if, you know, we have to have two separate accounts for the movies that we want to watch or rent. Um, you know, for me, I, I stream Netflix through my Wii. Um, that's how I watch it. And I, I don't do the uh, snail mail TV because I'm, I'm too lazy for that. Um, <laughs> anyway, there's something about the word stream and Wii in the same sentence that I thought was hilarious. <laughs> Because I can't afford cable. So, you know, but for instance, you know, for me, if I had an Apple TV or something, I might even spend just 99 cents to rent whatever movie it is that I want to watch. Um, 
mm-hmm. just to stick it to Quickster because I think Quickster is the worst name for a company ever. <laughs> um, it sounds like either something I'm going to eat for breakfast or maybe it, it something that I'm going to do my taxes on. I don't know. Quickster was the, the villain. I'm sorry, Michelle, but Quickster was, I think, the name of a villain in a in an Edward Furlong movie called Brain what? Band. That's how oh, terrible that wow. name is. <laughs> There's so much wrong with that statement. An Edward Furlong movie called Brain Dead. Brain Scan. Oh, no. and, and I'm telling you, for me to pull out that that reference really tells you something about how terrible this Netflix move is because that took yeah. some brain power. Right? And it also says a lot about you that you know the Edward Furlong catalog. It, it really does, but we won't talk about the <laughs> behind that. <laughs> well, moving like on, speaking say. of Brain Scan, let's talk about these Emmys last night. Um, Michelle Kenny, were you able to watch these Emmys last night? Well, I was at Peter, Peter McManus's last night drinking Guinness, so I didn't watch them. But <laughs> I was home later on, and I did watch uh, some YouTube clips, and I, I did hear that our friend Kyle Chandler won the Emmy for a leading actor in the drama series, which makes me so happy. Yeah. Friday yeah. Night Live, um, amazing. Um, and uh, Sean Broyles, were you able to see the show? I didn't watch the show. I was too busy um, passed out on the bed from all day watching football. Um, right. But no, that's kind of what I'm saying. I watched all the all the highlights, and uh, you know what, man? This seemed like one of the most fun Emmy shows in, in, in a long time, especially since my favorite show in years, Modern Family, did so well. That show is mm-hmm. so awesome. The, the writing of that show is so sick. The fact that um, – that that you know in this day and age of reality TV and trying to to really slim down um, cast and everything, the fact that Modern Family gets away with high, having having so many uh, people in its cast and ensemble cast mm-hmm. like that is just I mean that's really uh, is the confidence builder for someone who loves good television. Could Absolutely, um, yeah, that show. Like, people were joking about it being the Modern Family Awards last night, but there's a reason it is the best that come well, yeah, on no, TV. No, somebody it's, on my Facebook said, let's play a drinking game. Take a shot every time someone says Modern Family or something. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure within also, the first ten minutes, you're blacked out. <laughs> yeah. Also, to Michelle, your point before about Kyle Chandler winning, um, I think my yeah. roommate had just walked in, and I screamed at the TV and applauded very loudly, and he probably thinks I'm – a little more insane than he already did. Um, but it was one of the most amazing wins at an award show I've ever witnessed. And he looked so, so cool. surprised. He looked so surprised. Yeah, he definitely didn't so prepare his glad. I'm so glad that show, at least something in that show, finally got the recognition that it deserves because it's such a good show, or such, it was such a good show. I'm so sad it's off the air. You know, it's the yeah, writing, the, writing too. the acting. I mean, oh, it did, okay. So I'm I'm yeah. I'm more than thrilled that you know that show finally got the recognition it absolutely deserved because I'm such a huge fan. You, you know what was uh, great too so about the Emmys was um was the was the acceptance speeches. Everybody there there were really some humble and some you know some it. thoughtful 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 mm-hmm. speeches last night and it was just really cool to watch like people who obviously are not. Um, all tied into the superstardom aspect and who really appreciated, you know, actually getting um, an award like that. It was pretty cool to watch. Yeah. Yeah, man. So just a reminder that we have uh, Ben Curtis coming up in just a moment. Uh, uh, But before that, uh, Michelle, do you know how uh, the Emmys, aside from the whole Friday Night Lights and Modern Family thing last night, do you know how the 
Emmy's made me feel? Mm, I have a good feeling. A What's your way? feeling? What do you? A certain way. Make you feel a certain way. Oh, a certain way. Sang along. <laughs> that was great. So, uh, the Emmy last night made me feel a certain way. Fox must never be allowed to air an award show again. Between the Murdoch controversy, the unfunny voiceover guy, the annoying chorus, and the horrific in memoriam straight out of Tales from the Crypt, the network really <laughs> lived down to its name. I've never seen such a tasteless, we miss you dead people segment. First, these four white guys come walking through the aisles towards the stage singing Hallelujah. This melodramatic blocking made me feel awkward enough. Add to that an arrangement of this song that belonged not on the Emmys, but on a theater works tour. No offense. And finally, when you're honoring <laughs> such greats as Leslie Nielsen and, well, whoever else died this year, it is never acceptable to turn on a fog machine. I couldn't tell if I was watching Cirque du Soleil or <laughs> Walking Dead. Fox, shut it down. Michelle Kenny, Sean Broyles, thanks guys so much for joining the panel. Yay, thank you. So happy to be here. Good talking to you. Allard. Talk to you guys soon. Bye. All right. My first guest tonight is a talented actor whose off-Broadway play, Woody Guthrie Dreams, runs through October 1st at Theater for the New City right here in New York. Please welcome Ben Curtis. Hello, sir. Oh, are you there? Oh. Can you hear me? Ben, I'm here. Ben, can you hear me? Oh, here you are. Yes. How are you? I'm great. I'm excited to be on the show. How are you? I'm good. It's good to finally talk to you. Uh, how was your summer? Uh, my summer was amazing. It's been really incredible. Um, it was spent mastering the banjo uh, for the role of Pete Seeger in Woody Guthrie Dreams is the first time I've ever played a real person. And um, Pete Seeger's still alive. He's 91, and he's one of the best banjo players in the world. And mm-hmm. uh, despite breaking my hand when I got this role, um, I actually made me sit home and practice more. And I overcame a, uh, a, a lot of the serious injury in my hand while learning banjo um, in order to do this show, and it's been incredible. We Our matinee was sold out yesterday. Uh, we're looking for producers um, to move us to a new theater because uh, mm-hmm. it's taken off, and I think it's a really incredible show and very important today, especially with what you guys are talking about politically. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's it's awesome, and the music's amazing, and the the writing is wonderful, and the cast is incredible, and it's it's interesting because a lot of people think they're going to see a uh, a musical, but it's actually a really stunning play with music in it. We don't actually sing words to each other aside from the songs, um, but it's been great, and I've just been working hard on that and working on. Um, distribution and film festivals for my newest feature film uh, that I play the lead in opposite Richard Chamberlain, and that is We Are the Hardmans. And we're working on our New York premiere for next month. Um, so as soon as I have more information about that, I will tell the world. But it's going to be in New my York City. So there's Sounds a lot like going had, on. Uh, yeah, quite a couple of months here. Um, how, what was it like working with Richard Chamberlain? 
it was one of the most humbling, beautiful experiences ever. He's about the nicest man on the face of the planet, and uh, we just instantly hit it off, and he's so professional. Um, even being 76, he was still like there early doing warm-ups and exercises and working out, and he did his own makeup, and no matter how low our budget was or or how bad the uh, accommodations became at times, he was thrilled to be on the film, and it changed his life. And uh, we traveled to Atlanta together for the Atlanta Film Festival, um, and he had a lot of great things to say about um, working with our film. So it's it was outstanding, and he's a um, big lover of theater as well. Um, so that was exciting, and now he's all over television again. Uh, making his comeback at age 76. So it's pretty cool. Wow. I got him on speed. So are you telling me nice. <laughs> Are you telling me that there was <laughs> that there was no uh, craft service on set? Oh, there was. There was, but his his oh. uh trailer sometimes went all the way down to uh like some cardboard walls that we had to build for him <laughs> depending on where we were shooting. Uh but he was right, incredible. Well, he did he he said the film sounded so great that he was down for anything, and he really was. And, uh, you know, most of the time we did have really nice accommodations and we had excellent food. But um, he was a trooper, and it came out even better in the end. Yeah, that's awesome. Now let's get uh, let's get back to your uh, uh, play for a minute here. Um, this You mentioned earlier that, it's really important, uh, this kind of play, this day and age. And, and I, I, I've been reading about Woody Guthrie, and uh, apparently, um, you know, without him, there were, he was a major influence on that um, that folk protest movement, the Greenwich Village era, Bob Dylan, Richie Havens, et cetera. Um, uh, pretty amazing, um, when you think about it, the impact that he's probably had on not only that era, but on, on just popular music in general. Yeah. Yeah, and he died halfway through his life. He had Huntington's chorea, which is a uh, Huntington's disease. is a terrible neurological disorder that his mother mm-hmm. died of. And he had this crazy life. He had three wives. He has, like, eight children through a total of four or five women. Uh, and this was all up until age, like, 43 um, mm-hmm. when he died. He led unions. He played all over the country. He was one of the first musicians to play openly with black musicians. He ended a lot of, uh, tore down a lot of walls for racism and politics. Um, you know, the government brought in Pete Seeger in front of the House of Un-American Activity during World War II, um, calling all these guys communists and traitors, and they fought the government off. And um, he, he, what he died paralyzed for the last 10 years of his life so he couldn't play, he couldn't do anything and uh, the play What He Got Three Dreams is about his final dream before he dies and all of the people in his life come back, the ghosts, the everyone he's ever been in contact with, he goes through all his songs again. Um, another wild thing is that he, his sister, his mother his father and his daughter all caught on fire at some point in their lives. His daughter died oh, of it. His sister died of it. His dad almost died, and he burnt off his whole arm, or most oh. of it, when uh, when he was going. So there's all these crazy things about him. Um, 
And I learned Pete Seeger is the reason we can swim in the Hudson River today. It used to be a trash dump. And just by playing music and having festivals and sailing a boat up and down the Hudson, he got everyone's attention to go there and instantly uh, forced New York City to start cleaning up. Um, and Pete Seeger was, you know, along the ride with all those things, uh, too, and wrote all those really awesome protest songs from the 60s and 70s that we probably heard growing up, like Where Have All the Flowers Gone and Little Boxes. And um, uh, he even wrote um, The Lion Sleeps Tonight and uh, a lot of great things from traveling around the world and working with tribes everywhere so um and it's just a very powerful film um play and there's also an eight-year-old girl in it um that is to die for that steals the show in her two scenes um so it's got a lot of a lot of great stuff and we're at theater for the new city which is such a quirky um quirky place to be but it's it's in so much history and it's beautiful and we've got the biggest space there and um, so we're sad we have to close October 1st because they have other shows coming in, but now we're looking for uh, a new home to, to continue this beautiful journey. Well, I hope you find it. Um, what did you do to prepare for the uh, the role of Pete Seeger playing? Uh, this is the first time you've uh, played a biographical role, correct? Yeah. Um, well, I practiced the banjo hours and hours every day. Um with I a broken hand, is your hand yeah. is your hand still broken? No, no, it's healed now, okay. but I still don't have full use of it. Um, but I have enough to play the banjo, and uh, so I practiced for hours. I watched a lot of documentaries. Um, luckily, there's a lot of footage on him, mostly as an older man because he's still alive. Um, so I just listened to him over and over and over and worked on his voice. Being the only probably true Southerner in the play and playing the only non-Southerner in the play has been really hard to not get back into my Southern accent. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm working really hard on that. I also play an anarchist Jesus Christ and a cartoon-like capitalist in the play. Um, so mm-hmm. I, have, I alternate three different roles in the first act um, constantly. I have about uh, ten costume changes. Um, what so exactly it, is an anarchist Jesus Christ? Uh, what is that? He he comes in to fuck stuff up or mess stuff <laughs> up, I should say. I was trying not to curse, and I still did. He came in. No, no, no we encourage cursing. Oh well, he comes in to fuck yeah. shit up. <laughs> um, oh, and to uh, to kind of backhand Woody a little bit. Um, I, he's also joined by Joseph Stalin. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, we play some music in the show and, you know, Woody's dying. So he's seeing two of his heroes are Jesus Christ and Will Rogers. So all these people like Jesus comes to visit him. Will Rogers comes to visit him in full chaps and, uh, and a lasso. Um, and he was also a really funny guy. So there's a lot of humor in it. Um, and for Seeger, I also just researched a lot of his life on the internet. So, Sort of thank God for that with, uh, with roles like this because he's a he's a hard person to reach and uh, to meet. But um, and the play, and you know I, I worked on the play like because the playwright Michael Patrick Flanagan Smith who plays Woody Guthrie, he's an incredible singer songwriter. He's an incredible writer. 
Um, he's been working on this play for 10 years. It started in Baltimore six years ago. Um, mm-hmm. He's interviewed the family, Guthrie's. You can watch the documentary Bound for Glory after seeing the play, and you, there's nothing that you won't learn that's not in the play. So there's so much history and beauty in the play that I was able to just use a lot of the writing for that. Um, wow. And, that's awesome. uh, wow. Yeah, so so we've been, and it's a very uh, physically trained cast, so there's just some beautiful uh-huh. movement in the play, and being in solid dream sequence, and it's directed by an incredible opera director, Isabel Malinsky, um, who's done a brilliant job with it. So uh, we feel really blessed to have the cast and crew that we do as well. And does the entire play take place in a dream of Woody Guthrie's? Is that the idea? Yeah, yeah. They're all dreams of his while he's dying. And some of it's uh, not a dream, um, but most Mm -hmm. of it is. But it's all based on true stories um, and true events. So uh, it's really, really powerful. It's definitely, and he had so much humor that, I mean, you'll laugh a lot. And it's also a tearjerker and kind of has a little bit, for everyone. And we've already had um, people in their 70s, 80s, and 90s in the show saying this is exactly what it was like in the 40s when people cared about each other and looked out for each other and spoken for what they believed in and came together. And uh, and they really felt like we embodied the characters very well. Um, mm-hmm. So we've gotten, and then we've had some incredible reviews, like NewYorkTheater.com uh, recently reviewed us, and they just raved about us. So that's been awesome. Uh, yeah, because these so, are all guys. The cast and theater company, mm-hmm. the Bull Moose Party, I met uh, last year. I've known them for a long mm-hmm. time, and one of the funny stories was that they, knowing me, said that I wasn't right for the part, and uh, mm-hmm. by the end of auditions, I had nailed it. Um, so I'm I'm excited to get this just do my thing and uh, have yeah, New York audiences come back and see me because I haven't been in an off Broadway show in over a year now. So I'm very thrilled about it. Well, that's awesome. And yes, the show is getting rave reviews. People should go check it out. Theater for the New City. Woody Guthrie Dreams open until October 1st. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about this feature uh, coming up. You're now you're also the co-producer and, and music consultant on it. Can you tell me about working on a film wearing three different hats? Now, I'm assuming you actually wore a different hat depending on what job you were doing and that it's not just an expression. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, it's insanely overwhelming and stressful. Um, It's incredibly invigorating and inspiring and empowering. Um, Constant learning lessons. Very, very humbling as well. we uh well we created it from scratch over doing improv uh workshops for a year um we formed in the writing team and then we passed the script off to um to uh sorry to to our writer who is an emmy award winning writer p j brash peter brash um and uh He's just been phenomenal, um, and he really stepped up the writing along with our director, Laura Newman, who co-wrote it, and um, 
You know, I just, I, I've been on so many projects as an actor that fail or don't do well, and I, it's really frustrating to be on only one side of the camera and only feeling like you have so much control over where it goes. And I've learned that, well, I have a lot of music connections and I've worked in a lot of music venues. Most recently, La Poisson Rouge, um, I was there for years, and I started as a bartender, and the last thing I did was produce um a rock and roll event there. Um, and I know a lot of people from being here over 12 years and I'm really into marketing strategy and I really wanted to see this. I really believed in this project and the power and energy around it have been mind blowing. And so we're doing a whole documentary about how not to make a movie from what we've learned. And um, also to share the power of integrity and love on a project like this, because we had so many people donate time. Um, and it is, the experience alone was overwhelming. We had blessings coming from every angle. And um, uh, it's been really incredible. And, you know, when we started filming, I took off my producer hat because I'm, I was playing a, the lead in the film, Um it's mm-hmm. sort of a, it's about this club Hartman's that's a lot like CBGB's, um, and it's being shut down by a big corporation like Walmart for the world. And uh, Mr. Hartman, played by Richard Chamberlain, is a Willie Nelson type character that's sort of uh, down and out on his luck, and um, and it's about the town coming back together to save it. And I'm uh, <clears throat> sort of. I lead the revolution because my character, uh, Jordan, has just recently returned from Afghanistan where he's a Marine and uh, had the training and leadership. But he's also a drummer, so when he got back, um, he had nothing to do, and he started working in the club again and playing drums and being a sound technician because that was the only job he could find in a town that was already where all the small businesses were being shut down. Um <laughs> And, you know, something as historic as CBGB's is gone. And it's a John Barbados, you know, clothing store. And, they, yeah, they have a wall from there. But the fact that that place didn't stay open is still mind-blowing to me. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is Walmart really is shutting down places all over America. And it's the story was based on um, the tour by uh, Reverend Billy, who's the um, performance artist, activist, um, that preaches uh, anti-consumerism and stop shopping. He's not actually a, a religious reverend. He's uh, just a, a leader of the community, an actor, and he has a full-scale gospel choir, and they toured America protesting Walmarts. And our director, Laura Newman, was in, is, is in the choir, and um, she wrote it based on her experiences with that, and a lot of us who are musicians and the places we love being shut down and, and Hartman's in this town was the only place where the punks could go, where the old jazz guys could go, where the jam bands went, where uh the only hip hop night in town, the only gay night in mm-hmm. town. Um and we shot it all in Peekskill, New York and at the Bowery Poetry Club in New York City and then um at uh the Golden Cicada bar in Jersey City. Um, and we've had support. And we also have, like, local celebrity Murray Hill, the famous drag king, um, have an incredible mm-hmm. gay fantasy football scene in the film uh, with a lot of drag queens throughout New York. And we worked with a lot of townspeople in Peekskill, New York. 
Um, and we had people fly in to be extras because they loved the sound of the film. And um, so there's a lot wow. of really cool things. We have Iron and Wine on our soundtrack um, mm-hmm. and some huge people like that. So that's been a blessing as well. Um, that's amazing. So it's just been yeah. an amazing experience. And now, two years later, we're still working on the production distri- post-production distribution side of it. So the film is finished toward Atlanta. We're shopping it to Europe, European markets. We got in a festival in New York, which were, um, which is CMJ is now a music mm-hmm. and film festival, um, which is perfect for, uh, for rock and roll and supporting that. Um, and we've got a lot of great sure. local bands in the, in the movie as well. And, and we got Richard Chamberlain, who's just uh, a god. And he's still like 76. He is a handsome man. He's a good-looking man. I've heard he had a little work done, but uh, that guy is incredible. <laughs> I'm just like hoping I, mean, I look remotely like him. Yeah. Well, between the handsome elderly men and the the drag uh, fantasy football, I got to see this movie right away. Did yeah. you said that it's good? Oh, and we have a skinny dipping scene in it too. We have a skinny dipping. Scene There's a what scene? Too. Skinny dipping. Oh dear! Is it is it is it uh um the uh the lead? The, do you skinny dip in it? I do. Yeah. There's uh, Rich, it's mostly. Does Richard Chamberlain? don't have any. He does. Wait, wait. No, he oh almost God. does. He takes his shirt off. Okay. Um, <laughs> we we have. Uh, I think if you pause it at one point, you can almost see a full frontal, but mostly it's it's rears. Um, of you? <laughs> of yeah. You? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. How do you, how do you feel about people. how did you feel about doing a naked scene? I loved it. Um, I did take me out last year, um, mm-hmm. playing Shane Mungit, the crazy homophobic racist pitcher, and I was naked sure. in a shower scene on stage for thousands of people, and that was um, terrifying because the black guy I was next to was. Gifted, to say the least. <laughs> and, uh-huh. uh, uh, but in the film, you know, it's it's very tasteful, and uh, you know, as long as I believe in the project and the reason it's being done, it's not just like gratuitous nudity. It's cool, right. and um, it's not like we're hanging out naked. It's kind of quick because we do jump in water, so we're not like swimming on our backs. <laughs> with things flopping around, it's like you know we're in the water, so it's cool. But it's hot. There's a little sex scene afterwards, and uh, oh, takes wow. place in a bowling alley. We shot in, in the um, we actually had to do the the reshoot in the middle of winter in Long Island in front of bowling alley where uh, our wet hair was freezing as we shot the film. Um, and we yeah, still managed to make it look like winter or summer. I mean. So it's right. been it felt like a really exciting yeah. experience. Um, we're still yeah. looking for some investors, but uh, we've had mm-hmm. a few screenings around. Um, Soho House showed it, and we're being invited to certain theaters, and when all that information is officially announced, I can share that on my – I'll put it all over my Facebook and website, which cool. for anyone listening um, is bencurtisentertainment.com. Oh, or for the thousands listening, for the <laughs> millions. Well, speaking of millions, I think uh, 
one thing millions of people know you for is uh, your work as the Dell guy. Do you prefer Dell guy or Dell dude? Uh, well, it is technically the Dell dude. Okay. As, I so. as now, do you Dell still, framed it. Do you still get uh, drinks at the bar, you know, for free with that, t- with that title? Uh, it depends on these bartending. I mean, people are so cheap these days, man. It's hard to squeeze anything out. But uh, I, I, mm-hmm. I still get recognized sometimes, which is still shocking to me because it's eight, eight years ago and my body has changed. I mean, I've filled out. I look a little bit older. I, my shoulders got broader. My voice got deeper. But uh, people still, um, they still recognize me and still talk about it. And I've been writing a one-man play one-man show about it for quite a few years, and I'm hoping to finish that very soon. It's called Dude, You're oh, cool. Getting a Cell, which was my tagline when I was arrested on national television. It was the kicker on CNN headline news. The dude, you're getting a cell. Del dude busted for marijuana. Um, so it's about uh-huh. me being in jail and and – Surprisingly enough, before I even saw what he got through dreams, I was I was writing it sort of as a dream sequence of uh, and of all the crazy stuff that's happened to me and the time since then <laughs> that I was arrested. Luckily, it was not publicized. Um, so it's a culmination of different events of uh, of being in jail and what it's like to be prisoner of something, including a large corporation um, like Dell, uh, and also. Uh, in the height of my fame, I uh, lived in grand, Ground Zero and just barely escaped death um, on 9/11. And um, so that was another thing that I really had to deal with in the height of fame when everyone wanted to uh, see my computer or make me say the tagline. And I was like, "World War Three is going on. Can we not talk about my commercial right now?" Um, right. But I've loved it, and looking back now, I feel really great that it ended when it did because I was able to get the help I needed. I mean, I needed therapy. I needed, like, fame to stop for a little while. I wanted to finish college. I actually just graduated NYU at age 30 this past May. I finally went back. Mm-hmm. Um, Congratulations. Days. Um, um, and uh, now I'm starring in these, you know, films and plays pretty much nonstop, Um and yet I'm still searching for a good legit agent because uh unfortunately, you know, some bridges do burn when you have legal stuff on national television. Um so right. I'll I'll be looking to consult Michael Phelps pretty soon. <laughs> Not that experience. That, so you're a pretty young guy. I can imagine that um that arrest at, you know, such a young age on such a, a hugely public level must have been a pretty traumatic experience, no? Yeah, yeah, it was. And I still couldn't go anywhere without being seen. But it's funny because it's like after that, agents and casting directors respected me less, but the public were like, oh, you are human. Yeah, I smoke weed too. And like every dealer in New York was like, man, why didn't you tell me? I would hook you up. I was like, well, it's too late now. So, <laughs> um, and it, yeah. yeah, it was interesting and it was difficult because. Um, a lot of people wanted to hire me but were afraid to, and I had, like, five years where I didn't work after that, and I felt like I was right. – and that role was just scratching the service for me. You know, it was something I, like, pulled out of my ass at an audition. They loved it, and I became famous for it, and, and it was something that was really easy for me, a character I'd 
um, that character specifically, and I, I am a character actor despite getting mostly like leading pretty straight roles, but um, but it's a lot mm-hmm. of fun, and so I'm enjoying so playing I'm... a supporting role in this play. Oh sure. Now, Ben, if times ever got really tough, would you consider making a sex tape? Because the Del Dude sex tape it could sell a copy or two. <laughs> you know, maybe. Sure, I'd consider it. I don't know if I'd do it, but uh, I mean, you know, I guess my acting. I'd have to be sure that I've done the acting. These times have been mm-hmm. tough, you know. They're and they're not getting necessarily easier. Um, but I'm mm-hmm. very, very determined individual, and I love art and I love acting, and I'm really interested in um, helping people heal and grow and learn through art, and so. Um, like doing this one man show could be a really great experience to touch a lot of people and say what it's like to go through that experience from a celebrity viewpoint. You know, granted I'm not, I've never been like an, you know, A or B or even C list movie star or anything, but you know, there was two years where I couldn't go anywhere, anywhere in public. I lost friendships, relationships, girlfriends, uh, family friends all because of how intense it was sometimes and some of my friends couldn't handle it um let alone me trying to handle it and being in school full-time and surviving 9-11 and all that other stuff um yeah but it's always been really humbling and i got to see a lot of the business you know i was on the tonight show with jay leno and i was flying out to la mm-hmm. all the time and um met a lot of great people and so now it's showing america that i haven't gone anywhere i'm back stronger than ever and uh it's a matter of determining of i guess proving to the the people that um that actually get cast the roles uh that i still got it but that's you know the hardest part is proving yourself and you know you got it you know that's the that's the fun struggle of being an actor yeah Um, absolutely well it sounds like um you're happy now, and I'm happy for you, and congratulations on graduating yeah. NYU, and it sounds like the show's going wonderfully, and I hope everyone goes out and see it. Woody Guthrie Dreams, uh, Theater for the New City. Uh, ben, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, Ryan, this has been incredible, and I'm really happy that your show is doing well, and I want to wish you a happy belated birthday, because I just saw that it was your birthday online. I don't know why I had to learn that uh, on Facebook, but... Um, <laughs> I'm really Thank happy you, for you guys and honored to be on the show. And, uh, you know, mostly I want to show this play to all of you guys because it's so beautiful and I believe in it, not just because I'm in it. That's an added bonus. But uh, I hope you'll come out and uh, look forward to, to uh, being on the show again. Thanks a lot. Yeah, absolutely. You're welcome back anytime, and I look forward to checking out the show. Thank you, sir. All right. Take care, brother. Take Rock care, and ride. <laughs> all right. Bye-bye. <laughs> See you later. All right, that was Ben Curtis. Um, My next guest is the founder and CEO of one of the most popular sites on the planet, Cheaterville.com. Please welcome the man himself, James McGivney. How's it going, man? That's quite innovation. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, now you've got to live up to that. that, that Yeah. How are you? Great. Good. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. Um, thanks so much for coming on the program. I know you're uh, quite a busy guy these days with the site. Um, have you had any downtime? Did you have a nice summer? 
Uh, you know, actually, we've just been slammed with Cheaterville. I started the thing on uh, Valentine's Day of this year, and it has been one crazy and hectic summer, so I wish I could say I did some fun stuff, but I've basically been sitting in front of a monitor for 18 hours a day. Oh, my goodness. Well, there's been a lot about you and your company in the press uh, over the last few days, and I'm curious about a few things. Uh, it was reported by Perez Hilton just a few days ago that you offered a job to Tariq Salahi, who is, of course, one of the uh, the, the people, the couple who broke into the White House, um, or at least, you know, went uninvited. Uh, what uh, what made you want to offer him the uh, the job? You know, I kind of, and immediately once that came out, I was associated, I had a political association, I was tied into the White House. I mean, the the reasons why I offered it couldn't have been further from the truth. But the reality of it is I felt bad for the guy. I mean, it's one thing to get caught cheating or to be cheated on, but it's another thing when uh, just the way that his wife went about it was just so tacky, and, and it just was disgusting to me. And then the way that the guy from Journey acted, it just made it worse. And I was reading article after article about it, and, uh, you know, and Perez is where I actually first read it. It was on his website. I said, you know what? I feel bad. I'm going to give the guy a job offer. He can be uh, a moderator. People can ask him questions, how he's getting through it. You know, people get cheated on every day, and they're really not sure how do you get through it, how do you move on. And uh, I admire how he's getting through it pretty quickly here. I mean, he's, you know, fighting back, and he's moving on, and I think people can learn a lesson from that. Yeah, and have you heard back from him? Uh, actually, uh, as soon as I'm done with you, I have a conference call where I believe his uh, agent is going to be involved. So uh, I'll let you know tomorrow where that's going. Oh, wow, but great. I, I, I have a sneaking suspicion. You, you'd be surprised some of the people we've reached out to who have immediately reached back out to us um, just due to the site's popularity. Um, and for someone like him who's been he, he was humiliated basically on such a large public forum, I mean, everyone picked up that story. And now he has the ability to fight back against someone like that on a, on a very large scale, uh, you know, being Cheaterville.com. And um, I, I think he will end up doing something with us, no doubt about it. Now, it, it looks that uh, also Perez Hilton broke the news that they um, – I don't know if you would call it a competitor site, but a site that kind of does the opposite uh, is uh, offering the ex-wife a job. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, and there, there it is right there. I mean, basically, uh, you know, Cheaterville, they, our biggest opponent would be an Ashley Madison-type company. Um, I don't even remember the name of that other company that offered that job, but that was an obvious PR stunt. Uh, I mean, is there anyone in their right mind who's been, you know, labeled a cheater, going to go work for a company that promotes cheating? Um, it, it's just a whole new level of scumbagness, in, in my opinion. But, um yeah, I'd rather be on my side of the fence than their side. I mean, look at that company like Ashley Madison. They promote having an affair on your significant other and not getting caught. Um, there was no company out there that was fighting people like that. So that's why Cheaterville, I think, is so immensely popular is because people are sick of hearing about cheating. Right. And you actually uh, – now, you were a Marine, and you, you started this website because you saw a lot of your fellow soldiers were being – uh, cheated on, and this. Uh, so this was that rampant that a lot of soldiers' wives were cheating on their husbands. Um, that that you felt the need to start a site, huh? 
Yeah, well, I mean, it was actually even a little more personal than that. I had a good buddy, one of my best friends, where we were on deployment together. And, uh, you know, he's getting letters all the time from his wife, and everything's great on the home front. And then we come back after deployment and find out that she was cheating on him the entire time. So uh, we wanted to have that public scarlet letter, if you will, of somebody. Um, but, yeah, it, it it happens all the time in the military. And, and, look, it's not just the spouses who are at home who are cheating. There's a fair share of military guys who are cheating as well. It goes both ways, but, um, you know, the divorce rate's around 50% in the United States. I would imagine it's got to be about 75% in the military. It's it's a lot harder to maintain a relationship. Uh, yeah, I can imagine um, with all the time that you stay separated. Was it ever any more personal for you? Have you ever cheated or been cheated on? Yep, I've been on both sides of the fence, and and I think that's why I'm able to guide this company in the right direction. I, I don't think you can start a company like this if you haven't been on both sides of the fence. I've cheated, and, you know, I felt like a jerk-off when I did it. Actually, I'll, I'll take that back. I didn't feel like a jerk-off at all when I did it. I was just an arrogant little prick that, you know, thought I could get away with it. And then I saw the devastation that it caused after the fact, and, for me personally, it just made me a better person. Um, and, and unfortunately, you know, people got hurt in the process, but uh, it did make me a better person. And, you know, I've been cheated on, and that equally sucks. It, it, the worst part about cheating on is, you know, like our, one of our models is don't be the last to know, cheaterville.com. It, it seems like, at least in my instance, I was literally the last person to find out that she was cheating on me. Everyone else knew about it, and it's hurtful, it's embarrassing, it's just it's disgusting when it happens. Yeah. Now, this site, uh, can you explain it a little bit more? Is it, a, is it a support group for people who have been cuckolded, or is it a site to set or prevent uh, the cheating? It's actually all of the above. So, you know, the basic premise of Cheaterville is if you're dating someone and you find out that they've cheated on you, you can go on Cheaterville.com and, and post information about them, the story of exactly what happened. You can put their picture, um, what city and state they're from, and basically pay it forward for the next person so they know that they're about to get involved with a habitual cheater slash liar. A lot of people also come, and we have, you know, staff writers who write two articles every day on, on tips and tricks, how to catch someone if they're cheating on you, if you think they're cheating on you, how to cope with uh, infidelity. Uh, we have games on the site. We have a little bit of everything for everyone. Even, matter of fact, tonight is the um, Charlie Sheen roast, and we have a game called Sheen Shootout on there, which is a fun paintball game. So it, it gives you the gamut of emotions, and it even includes a, a forum that we have, and it's going really well. I think we have like 135,000 people on Facebook, and uh, I mean, a lot of people are supporting Cheaterville. It's great. So thankful. Sure. That's great. And I'm very, uh, it's kind of a, a happy coincidence that you came on today because I was listening to uh, Ryan Seacrest this morning, and uh, they were talking about Ashley Madison, and um, you've stated before how you dislike that sort of site. Um, and uh, I, I wanted to get your perspective on this, what do you think? What do you make of the people who say that a site like Ashley Madison, although it says that it's a site for people to have an affair, that the real intention behind it, and that what most people use it for, is just to meet people, as with any other site. It's just that it's more exciting because you have this controversial element to it. Do you think that there's any truth to that? 
Um, maybe. If that's the case, they probably should change their tagline a bit because um, it's having a fair guaranteed. But, uh, I mean, if they're trying to promote it as just a, as every other dating site, then I would think it would be more of an open architecture where it is pretty closed. Um, and there's a lot of secrecy that goes on with their postings. But, um, no, I actually don't believe that at all, to be honest with you. I think that it's marketed and positioned in a way where it goes after married people who are not happy in their current relationships, and they'll pay a decent amount of money every month to to go have an affair outside of it with the understanding that the chances are pretty good that they're not going to get caught because it's going to be discreet. I, I mean, do right. you know, if I, I've, I've looked on Match, Plenty of Fish, uh, eHarmony. They don't seem to have anything even close to a pitch like that. So I think that's why yeah. Ashley Madison is as successful as they are, is because uh, love it or hate it, uh, Noel Biederman, who runs that company, is an absolute marketing genius how he's able to find that niche and run with it. So good for him. All right. Um, so, I mean, would you say that you guys are kind of, it seems like you're you're happy for him, or, or, so you guys uh, aren't like rivals at all? You know, no, I mean, we're, we're, hey, I'm definitely his kryptonite and definitely in the media world, but yeah. uh, it would be extremely hypocritical for me to, you know, not not admire what he's done being the entrepreneurial spirit that he and I both have. Um, you know, so on a personal level, I, level, I have absolutely nothing wrong with him. On a professional level, I find that what the company does is absolutely disgusting. Um, and with as many problems as we have in our society, and as hard as it is for couples to stay together in, in today's environment, to add something like that to the mix is just despicable. But then again, I'm married with two kids. So, I, of course, I'm going to look at something like that and think it's absolutely grotesque. But what are you right. going to do? Now, does your site, um, is it geared towards men or is it geared towards both men and women? Uh, both men and women, and you know what's interesting. When I started this company, I had all my man friends, all my Marine Corps buddies, you know, giving me hell, saying I was going to destroy mankind because every man basically cheats at one point or another. Well, the reality of it is 81% of cheaters posted on Cheaterville.com are women. And to take that a step further, it's not men outing women who are just spiteful and hurt because, oh, you know, she broke up with me and my ego's hurt, so I'm going to post her on Cheaterville.com. It's women outing other women now, to the tune of, you know, we'll repost and say, uh, I've known this girl for six years, I'm in her circle of friends, she's been cheating on her husband for five, and, and extremely factual. So one thing I, I've noticed on Cheaterville is when men post about women, it's a picture, it's a story, and off they go. Women, however are amazing investigators. They watch CSI, the whole nine yards. They, they are very granular. They provide proof that when you leave the post, there's no doubt that either the woman or the guy is cheating. It's text images, it's emails, it's photos, it's, it's you know everything you can imagine to where you know that that's absolutely true. So women are very good at outing other women, for sure. Sure. What are some signs people should look for who are in relationships that their significant other is cheating on them? You know, the, the biggest one we see, especially for how guys get caught, it's just it's so monotonous, to be honest with you. It's the same thing day after day we see where my husband left his cell phone downstairs, went upstairs to go get something. I grabbed his phone. I looked at his text messages, and I found all these messages and images from a girl that he's now been screwing around with for the past six months. I confronted him about mm -hmm. it. He denied it, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that, and that's the first tip because the woman will notice that the guy is constantly on his phone, constantly texting back and forth, and that's a, a red flag usually. 
Um, women, though, they, they make sure before someone's posted on our site, they'll do things like get keylogger software. So they'll be able to, you know, when the husband's online at 2 in the morning, you know, Facebooking a, 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 an old acquaintance from 10 years ago when they're getting hot and heavy, she has all the proof right there of, you know, keylogger. She can say, here you are, here's you typing at 2 in the morning. So yeah, it's usually, you know, the, the worst part, it always revolves around technology in some form or facet, how people are getting caught. Wow. So technology can definitely be your enemy uh, in this day and age. Yes. How, uh, As- now, I have a, well, let me throw out a few scenarios for you. Uh, if a girl sleeps with a guy, but solely in the missionary position, is it still oh, cheating? <laughs> uh, yes. I would say so. I, I guess it would depend if you, if you have footage. Is it like Kim Kardashian? Who, who is it specifically you're referring to? No one in particular. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Gotcha. All right, next question. Next question. What about threesomes or swinging, swapping? Does that fall into any realm of cheating? You know, that actually is a really good question because we have seen that recently on the site, and I never even thought about it until I started seeing some of the posts. But, you know, there's an example of a post where a guy, a woman, and a man, uh, they're married. They they join a swingers club. uh, Everything's fine for the first couple times, and then the husband absolutely flips out and then posts her on the site as a cheater. Uh, You know, I don't think so because she knew about it. So it was mutually agreed upon. And then out of the blue, he's calling her a cheater because he just had to change her heart. I, I think if you go into a scenario and you both have the same understanding going into it, uh, it's definitely something that shouldn't end up on my side. <laughs> okay, as long as there's an understanding. What What is your take, James, on going to a strip club and getting a lap dance till climax while in a relationship? Is that cheating? According to my wife, absolutely. That's why I don't go to strip clubs. But, yeah, I mean, I think it just depends on on the, on the woman. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's so funny you mentioned it. It's almost like you're reading the post of today because there was a post that went up about about the very – the Monday is always the best day for posts because it's a lot of the weekend traffic comes. And there was a, a post about a, a, a wife, you know, she didn't know he was going to a strip club. And then, you know, there mm-hmm. were stains on his pants. He had a bunch of dollar bills in his pocket. She did her investigative work, and she's like, well, what happened here? Why do you have stains on the outside of your pants? And she said basically was insinuating that he cheated. Um, yeah, I mean, if I flip it on the other side, if my wife goes to a strip club and some guy climaxes or she climaxes, yeah, that, that's cheating. You know, but the good news is I'll probably go there and kick the guy's ass. But uh, he's a male stripper. He's probably all built and buffed. I don't know. I don't know what I would do there. <laughs> Um, you, you, don't see, I mean, you, you don't see fat strippers except for Chris Farley in the Saturday Night Live episode, which is the best episode ever. Oh, that was fantastic. Uh, him and Patrick Swayze. That was the best scene of Saturday Night Live ever. Yeah, that was great. Um, now, okay, so what about this scenario? If you've been dating for a bit but haven't explicitly had the exclusive talk and hook up with somebody else, do you think that's still cheating? Yeah, yeah, you know, that's a tough one, too, because then you're just seeing each other. You know, it's a case-by-case basis. Me, personally, if I'm seeing someone, um, I'm going to let them know if, I'm, if, I, if I was having sex with another person because then you just bring a whole other plethora of issues. Uh, and we see that on the site as well. Is they are just two, two people that are seeing each other, and they met on a, a dating website. But then one of them catches an STD. 
and they didn't know that the person was seeing other people. And then they blast them on the site as a cheater. And, you know, I, I think it's a case-by-case basis. Sure. Fair enough. Um, uh, but, James, uh, how hot is it to have sex with a married w- woman? Am I right? Uh, why? <laughs> I mean, for me personally, I could I can only handle one married woman in my life. I, I couldn't imagine even having an affair. How can you please two women at the same time, day in and day out? And it, not forget the physical, just the emotional and the mental. I mean, yeah, I, I personally don't get it, but I, I guess that's why companies like Ashley Madison are so huge, is because a lot of guys do like the fact that they could go sleep with a married woman. Wow. Now, do you feel that there's truth to this statement? Those who are extra insecure about their partner fooling around are actually more likely to cheat. Have you found that to be the case? Yeah, that's actually a really good question because, um, yeah, it, we, we've we seen that even on the site uh, where, you know, someone started getting a little heavy and they, you know, they even admitted in the post, you know, I, I haven't gone to the gym in years and uh, my wife wasn't really paying attention to me. I was at work and there was this new girl there and she likes me for my personality and, I understand why people cheat, and I'm not an expert by any means, no way. However, after reading enough posts and just seeing how it it goes from A to Z, I understand it. You know, if you're with someone and they're not paying any attention to you, and whether it's physical, emotional, or both, or when they do pay attention to you because they're yelling at you or treating you like a piece of crap, and then you happen to interact with someone who thinks you're the greatest thing on the planet, I definitely can see why you would cheat. But I, I think to curtail that is even if you have someone like that in your life uh, and maybe you, you're just not as good as you know you can be, you know, step one is get yourself together. And then step two is once you're confident in yourself, if that person's still treating you like crap, see you later. Take off and, and get a divorce and then you don't have to worry about cheating or anything. You can just go be your own person. Okay, so then that sort of goes along with it. Is there, is there any justification in your mind for, for cheating? No, I I, I don't think no. so. But it, you know, I've just been on both sides of the fence. I, no, there definitely is mm-hmm. no. If you're gonna cheat, just why not just do the right thing and, and just break up with the person and and go your own way. Yeah, would anyone want that done? To, I wouldn't want that done to me. Would you want that done to you? I, I doubt it. No, no. Although you do hear a lot of um, guys. I mean, I remember a couple of my friends have said, you know. But girls, they want you to cheat on them, and I always thought that was the most ridiculous. Who, who, who would want that? I mean, and why? Have you seen that? Yeah. <laughs> Do you see girls yeah. who want their guys to cheat on them? Does that happen? Yeah, no. I mean, I, I don't. But I guess that's just a testament to the people I hang out with. I mean, I, I hang out with people who are pretty stable and secure, and they're like, oh, I hope my person cheats, cheats on me. I mean, it's, it's an insane statement for sure. Well, speaking of the people that you hang out with, if you have a really good friend, and he winds up cheating. And it's not just a one-time thing, but he does it regularly. Uh, can you stay friends with that person? No. No, you because can't. Because you know why? Because that, that's just the, that's the basis of them right there. I mean, that, that just speaks volumes about them in general, because if they cheat, they probably lie, they probably steal. I mean, the list goes on and on. And, you know, I, I personally wouldn't uh, want to hang out with that person. Gotcha. Uh, well, we're going to stop everything right now, and we're going to play a game called Trust or Bust, where I'll name someone famous, and given their history, you tell me, James McGinn, if you would trust them to be faithful in a relationship, or if you would say bust if you can't trust them. Are you ready? 
I'm thinking half of these celebrities are probably already posted on my website, but yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right. How about Brad Pitt, Trust or Bust? Yeah, and he's on our site. Uh, bust. Bust. Um, Alex Rodriguez. You know, I, <laughs> I have to be partial on this one because I'm a huge Yankees fan and I'm from New York, but I actually would trust him. You would trust him. Okay, trust in A-Rod. How about Charlie Sheen, trust or bust? No. No, absolute bust. I mean, there's yeah, he's all over my website. There's nothing good about him on my site. Um, did you catch him at the Emmys last night? That was a nice little moment, sort of. Yeah, yeah, he's he's something special. I didn't realize that he had fake teeth. Did you know that on his front? No, no, but I'm not surprised. How'd you find that I, out? Did he take out his teeth? It, it, it was actually a, a, a few months ago when he when everything first went down. Someone posted it on our site, and they posted a picture of him with his teeth out, and it got and then it got all over. It was on TMZ. It was on Perez. It was all over the place, and that absolutely floored me. Yeah, his front upper teeth half of them were gone. <laughs> that is terrifying. Um, how about Derek Jeter? Trust or bust? No, you're a Yankees fan. Trust. Love Derek. Trust. Um, how about uh, Michaela Salahi, trust or bust? Bust. And, she's, and, you know, right after that issue broke, uh, someone had posted her right away that, uh, you know, literally, like, right as that thing broke. So it, I think she probably has, like, 50,000 views alone on our site in the past 48 hours. So, uh, yeah, definitely would never trust her. I didn't trust her before. First time I ever saw her, I knew she was bad news. <laughs> Um, what about Tom Cruise, trust or bust? Trust. You know, I for as much bad press as Tom gets all the time, I, I, I personally, you know, and I know the Scientology and, and a lot of people think he's crazy for it, same with Katie, but I, I would definitely trust that guy with my life. I, I think he's a stand-up guy. Okay. Um, now, I'm throw this out at you. What about the couple, Casey Anthony and O.J. Simpson? Would you trust this couple to stay faithful to each other? Uh, you, you know what? Actually, I would because they both would know that they would be in in the public eye. Not that would be a crazy couple. Is that actually a rumor going around that those two would ever be together? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. Man. I didn't write that I, down. The thing that's in front of me, somebody else did, but I I, I was a little too scared to look into it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I definitely wouldn't trust either of them. And, and you know, they're, they're both guilty of sin as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Okay, so you would trust them to be faithful to each other, but you wouldn't trust them just in general. No, I mean, I, 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 I would. One of them would end up killing the other at some point, anyway. So I don't even think I'd have to worry about it. I think they have to worry about who's going to kill the other person first. <laughs> um, have you had anybody on your site? Like, has there been like a murder based on stuff no. that's going up on on your site? No, absolutely not. And, and, you know, and we the other question we ask all the time is the slanderous angle and how do we verify the information and how do we right. know it's true. And, and, and we don't. We, we do as much verification as any national media does uh, on stories that they run, which is none, because basically um, it's up to the person who's reading the post whether it's true or not. And the person who posts the information has the ability to take it down. And we have a company we work with, Truth in Posting, that if there's a, a post that looks like it's completely false, they work on trying to get to the bottom of it. Um, but, yeah, we, and nor have we ever been hit with a lawsuit either. Um, 
But you got you got to think about it this way: if someone posts a cheater on Cheaterville, they're already, obviously they're pretty upset. But they've also posted that same information about the cheater on their Facebook page and have tweeted about it. So between Twitter, Facebook, and Cheaterville, uh, they're the last person. You know that they're not coming after us. They're usually going after Facebook or Twitter. And um, you know neither, neither lawsuits have ever been fruitful for anyone suing either of those companies for slanderous right. issues. So we're in the same boat. Wow. Um, okay. How about uh, just a few more here? Uh, B- Bill Clinton, trust or bust? <laughs> bust. Bust. Fair enough. Said there. Yes. Bust. <laughs> ben Roethlisberger, trust or bust? Who, who is it? Say that again. Ben Roth. Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, Ben. I thought just someone else. Yeah, now that he's married and he had his time where he, he you know, definitely was making mistakes, I, I'd imagine you'd have to trust him now. I'll know I, that's going to bite me in the ass. Watch a year from now, he's going to cheat on his current wife, and I'm going to look like an idiot for standing out on a limb. But, uh, and I don't even like the Steelers. I, I don't think they're a good team at all. But um, I, I'm going to say trust for right now. Trust, cool. How about Justin Bieber, trust or bust? I don't know enough about that guy. Uh, uh, so I'm just going to say trust for, for right now, but uh, I, I couldn't tell you anything about him other than I heard a couple of his songs, and uh, he's definitely a hot, hot item, isn't he? <laughs> Did you enjoy the music? Are you a fan? Uh, you know, it, it has its moments. I'm not running around dancing everywhere, but, you know, I'm an old old guy. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I, I'm more well, listening speaking... to Fleetwood Mac in Boston. Oh, sure. Well, speaking of hot, young Justins, what about Justin Timberlake? Trust or bust? Trust, you know, uh, once again, you know, the thing with it, someone like who's that in the celebrity spotlight as much as a Justin Bieber or Justin Timberlake, you have to be cautious. It's tough to cheat when you're when you're those mm-hmm. type of people because there's cameras following you everywhere, every day, anywhere you go, there's a camera on you. So uh, it kind of keeps them in check, in my opinion. It's always shocking to me when I see a celebrity that you know gets caught red-handed and how they get caught in, in the just wide open in public. Uh, if you're going to cheat, right. you need to be a lot more stealth than a lot of these people are. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Well, that concludes trust or bust. Now, you mentioned we already touched on the, the slander thing, and I think that another criticism that you probably face uh, with your site, uh, Cheaterville.com, is that potentially um, this could lead to the breakup of a lot of families. Uh, now, do you ever feel bad about that or do you feel that maybe you know the truth shall set you free and this is only helping things what do you think i i do feel bad about that and i read story after story on the site where there's kids involved and i have kids and i would be demonic if i didn't you know feel bad for everyone involved but you got to keep in mind i didn't cheat you know i'm not the one who's being posted on the site and especially when there, when you see a post where there's a marriage infidelity and there's kids involved, when you read the post and you look at the facts that are presented, uh, it's usually true. And, and then, mm-hmm. yeah, I do feel bad, but, you know, that should have been thought about long before by that person who cheated. And I've had people come up to me, uh, which kind of freaks me out, to be honest with you, you know, people who I don't even know who somehow know who I am, and they come up to me and say, hey, cheaterville.com, that's an awesome site, and, you know, because of your site, I've actually thought twice before cheating because I don't want to get blasted and have millions of people know about it, especially my family and friends. So mm-hmm. it's actually deterred people, as crazy as that may sound. Wow. I wonder if, uh, I mean, it's 
probably be better if they were more deterred because they wouldn't want to hurt their family and friends than a million people right? seeing them on the uh, internet. What yeah. excellent point. What a great point. And you're so right. I w- you know what? I wish I would say that. You know, next time someone says that to me, I am going to say that exactly what you just said. Uh, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, how can people protect? themselves against people who are just trying to spread lies about a person who isn't a cheater. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I it would be crazy for me to think that every post on the site is 100% true and that there might be some, you know, that there are fallacies. There's got to be. It can't be 100% true for some of them I read, but we're not judge or jury. Just because I think that something's not true doesn't mean it's not true. But let's just play it through for a second and say that you got posted on our site by someone who was mad because you broke up with them and it was clean and clear and there was no cheating going on, but they just wanted to slander your name. Um, your first option is you reply directly to the post and you say, this is ridiculous. Please take this down. You know, this, this is pointless. And we see a lot of people, because then they get notified via email, they will then take it down immediately and say, okay, I, I've had my 10 seconds of fun. That's great. If they don't take it down, uh, after a certain period of time. That's why we just teamed up with this third-party company. We have no affiliation with them, so um, they're called Truth in Posting. And that is referred, that type of case is referred out, that post is referred to Truth in Posting, and then they work with you and the person who supposedly put up that information to really validate whether it was true or not. And if it's determined by the, and it's a court arbitrator, it's a lawyer, and if it, she decides that it is absolutely false, we usually adhere to her recommendation and pull the post down. I see. So there's a whole legal process. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, we try to, you know, we have to make sure we're in legal compliance on, on that, but I think we do way more than a lot of other sites do. I'm not going to go and name these sites right now in the interview, but I know of dozens of sites where once you land on their site, you're done. There's nothing you can do. There's no way to retract it. You can hire lawyers. You can hire anyone you want to try and get that removed, but... Um, at the end of the day, companies like myself and Facebook and Twitter were all protected by the Communications Decency Act of 1996, basically which states that we're not publishing that information. We're just like a, a forum, an open blog forum where people post information, and we can't be held liable for what other people are writing. Um, but I understand that there's probably slanderous issues, so I wanted to go that extra step to try and help people out where that does happen. So uh, I think that's sure. a good thing. Cool. Well, James, this was great. Thank you so much for coming on. James McGibney, you can check out his site at www.cheaterville.com. And, yeah, this was a blast. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, Good luck with your site and with your conference call, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. James McGibney from cheaterville.com, founder and CEO. I'd like to thank James. I would like to thank Ben Curtis. You can catch him in Woody Guthrie. Dreams, a theater for the new city, right here in New York City. Also like to thank Sean Broyles. Check him out at SeanBroyles.com. And I would like to thank Michelle Kinney um, for joining the panel. Check her out, MichelleKinney.com, and of course at the watering hole every Monday, every uh, sorry, every weekend, uh, which is a karaoke bar, and she's a fantastic singer. So go check her out. Uh, last thing I just wanted to mention that my best friend is getting married in Venice. Uh, I'm going to go be the best man. That's right. I said man, not man. And I'll be leaving from Venice, Italy tomorrow. So I won't, uh, you guys won't hear me uh, for about a week or so. Um, But I just wanted to say huge congratulations to Bryce and Julia uh, for getting married. And I can't wait to uh, go celebrate with you in Italy. 
So I can think of no better way to end the show than by saying, if it ain't showbiz, it ain't a biz. And lastly, somebody owes me a martini. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.